This episode is brought to you by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Learn more at slashandcast.net. Back to the Kill Dead Podcast. I'm your host, Gray, and tonight I'm joined by Bobby Torres. Say what's up, Bobby. What up? And we're joined by a very special guest, uh, continuing our Movies That Scared Us series for a Halloween. Bobby, uh, without further ado, I'll let you take it over. All right, all right. So, hey, Zoe, I'm happy to have you as a guest on here. Um, like I said before, I thought of you immediately because, you know, you create dope shit. You're, you know, you're doing your thing in the horror community, black horror community, I should say. Um, so, yeah, that's why I uh, wanted to have you on here. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Anytime. Um, and thank you, Gray, for having us on here. So <laughs> Thank you, Gray. Much obliged. <laughs> Um, all right, Zoe. So, again, I don't know the movie uh, you chose. So, what is the movie that we are talking about today? The movie that had scared you as a kid? Okay. Well, I, I might be revealing my age with this one. Um, and But it's definitely the film that had the most lasting impact on me and made me uh, the paranoid that I am today but I saw Disturbia in theaters in 2007 and um, before the movie even came out I was terrified by the trailer that came up on my screen um, after school uh, my my daily cartoon binge but this trailer came on and you know Shia LaBeouf uh, 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 even Stevens wasn't nothing different for me (laughs) <laughs> and then that menacing voice in the background that goes, every killer lives next to someone. And I was like, holy shit, that's true. It is <laughs> true. Every killer does live next to someone. Um, and I had had a very sick inkling for true crime when I was younger. Um, and creepypastas and, and uh, kidnapping stories and things all of that nature. So... Yeah. When I heard that tagline, I was, let's say, stimulated and terrified at the same time. Okay. <laughs> that makes any sense. Oh, no, no. I totally get what you mean. And it's so funny um, that you mentioned that because I've seen that movie in theaters in 2007 as well. Um I wasn't paying attention much because I was on a date, and Aww. you know how you know you know you know how that goes. So yeah, <laughs> um, but um, I did uh, watch obviously caught the ending, and then uh, when it eventually came out on uh, DVD and stuff, I watched it, and I absolutely love that movie, especially seeing Shia LaBeouf come from the Disney Channel. Uh, from even Stevens and all that into like uh, a, a movie like this, um, and did an amazing job. Um, so 
I'm happy you, you picked this. Wow, I wasn't expecting this one, Zoe. <laughs> Where are you? Yeah, I actually don't think this movie comes up enough. Um, I <clears throat> watched it this past July, and I was just like thinking to myself that exact question. I was like, why do I never revisit this? It actually is a pretty good film. Yeah. Um, n- normally, I do have a staunch uh, stand on PG-13 horror, but I think this one was... Uh, well executed. I don't think I could say the same for that director. I forget his name was DJ something. Like the rest of his movies didn't track. Oh, uh, Caruso. 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 Something like that. I'm also very bad with names. But I know his first (laughs) name is DJ. (laughs) Oh, Um, wow. What other movies he done? Uh, Eagle Eye for sure, like that came out the year after with Shia LaBeouf as well. And then he did the uh triple X, uh, what is it called? The triple X sequel where Vin Diesel comes back. Oh, okay, cut off sleeves again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lord, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he's done other movies, I just didn't watch them. <laughs> yeah, but I picked this movie. Solely on the fact that I still think about that goddamn tagline every day. And um, when when I was young and first or younger and first getting into getting my, my feet wet, the horror genre, um, I, I went uh, very far very quickly. Um, I, I used to sneak into the theaters in the beginning of the Saw franchise um, I would watch a lot of um, gore porn on the mm. internet as I am a child of the internet. Um, let's see. Uh, um, the Hills Have Eyes and Jeeper Creeper, Jeepers Creepers were two of the first um, horror movies that I had watched alone as a young one. And they definitely scared me. They all definitely did. Um, it was very rare that I came across a horror movie as as um as a middle schooler young high schooler that didn't scare me um i really got into horror because i'm scared of everything or <laughs> i was scared <laughs> of everything and i don't know who i was telling this story but i was telling somebody like i think it might have been you bobby i don't know but um i i used to be so scared of everything that i was actually afraid to use public toilets because they have that automatic flush feature where they like you know you don't have to push anything it just like flushes and for some reason (laughs) i was so terrified of that that i don't know that it would like flush before i was ready i don't know what's like scary about it it was it wasn't really but i remember that was the moment that I realized that all right, like I can't, I can't keep living my life afraid of everything. So I just dove deep into the most disgusting gore porn on the corners of Reddit, and 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 you know the nastiest Jeepers Creepers was all right. It wasn't, um, it wasn't exactly groundbreaking um, at the time, but The Hills Have Eyes was a different story. But um, as yeah. far as my paranoia went, Disturbia really stuck with me just for that freaking tagline. And um, a, well, I can't say so similar, but a a vaguely similar um, event had happened to the movie around that time. 
um, mm-hmm. and it kind of felt like a little bit of foreshadowing. And um, I, for one, I I like slashers. I like, I, you know, I, I like um, invasion films, things of that nature. But right. I, with my my preferred um, horror subgenres, I I prefer to stray to um, subgenres that take me to a different world. Um, I like monsters and aliens and things that we wouldn't naturally see in real life. So right. when a movie covers something that's real life scary, like, you know, murderers potentially living mm-hmm. next door to you, that taps into a fear that wasn't exactly escapism for me. Because before then, every horror film that... or horror film or just instance of horror that I had come across on on the internet with gore porn and creepypastas um it was an act of escape but at this moment it was an escape and I used to challenge myself that's how I thought that I was going to make myself you know less afraid of things as if I just binged the hell out of all this crap and hopefully it'll build my tolerance but I could sit through you know, Jeepers Creepers 1 and 2, The Hills Have Eyes 1 and 2, definitely flinching and while being scared, no problem. But for some reason, the the tagline of every killer lives next to someone after a girl was, was murdered in my town um, by uh, some, not exactly a neighbor, but somebody in the cul-de-sac, um, it really... Uh, embedded that fear even deeper in me um and I I really still think about that today and and I I actually don't hear I don't hear people discussing it enough because I feel like that tagline in itself is enough to scare a whole community of paranoid people (laughs) and um you know there's something about real life scary that brings it out of the screen that I wasn't exactly ready for. Um, and um, it was apparent that brought me to the theater just because they had recognized Shia LaBeouf's face from even Stevens um, mm-hmm. and, you know, holes. And so, and it was also PG 13, so it couldn't have been that bad, but it was. And for some reason that film was way worse than any other, you know, gory um limb reduction or you know any any crazy gore scene that i could have watched at that time just as the paranoid person that i used to be um and then on top of that just david morris's performance as um i don't remember the character's name but the um the the you know the killer that they that they live next to yeah Um, got under my skin so much because i in my opinion he's the perfect murderer because he's he's charming Mm -hmm. and um i i've definitely had some trust issues in the past and just dealing with paranoia and things and it's it's the scariest thing in the world that boy who cried wolf syndrome when you know somebody or some you know there's there's a dangerous situation upon us and you're you're trying to explain this in 
in fear of something happening and just nobody believes you straight in the face of danger and this guy just staring i remember in the movie there's a scene where um the killer has uh confronts um shy's character i forget what his name is in his home um he's like low-key kind of hitting on his mom which is a little weird um and this guy is like, hey, there's, you know, this this guy is dangerous. He's been st- spying on him and whatever and whatnot. And I used to, do, I actually caught myself doing this a couple of times with my neighbors. I hope they're not listening right now. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> just <laughs> extreme paranoia. And then this, you know, it shows up into your own space and how threatening that can be. And, um, and I, I guess I didn't realize that this is that real life scary theme that translates and and i think about it a lot now um this is why i like i i prefer my heart to be otherworldly because i can differentiate between the two but you know psycho killers cults um all that all that shit abusive spouses that shit really scares me um and it always has I've, i've seen it in my family and um Real life horror is really on another fucking level, and um, yeah, definitely. You know, I, it's it's inescapable. Most of us view horror as an escape. You know, we we watch these things to to escape the horrors of our real life, but mm-hmm. then when our vehicle to escape real life just mimics real life, it's like I don't know what to do with myself now. <laughs> Because it's just reinforcing the fact that your fears are real. Yeah, it's 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 like stuff like that, like you just mentioned. <clears throat> I feel like, especially like you said, it's real life horror, so it can be triggering for a lot of people that probably went through something similar or experienced something similar or know somebody that experienced uh, something just like that. Um, so. For some people, it could probably be triggering. They're like, oh, I can't watch this right now or just like turn it off or, you know, they can't get into it. But um, it's also interesting you mentioned Deeper's Creepers, too, <laughs> because um, I loved that movie. And it's like, I still do. But obviously, the person behind it is uh, a piece of shit. Wait, um, hold on. Fill me in. Oh, um. Well, great. You can uh, edit this out if you want to. <laughs> um, but um, the director, he's pretty much like a a, a pedophile. Um, oh God. Yeah, he um, he had some things going on with him before he made the film, and mm-hmm. it didn't come out until very well after you know he did the first two films, um, and that's why I think Deeper Creepers Three was taking so long to like come out. Mm-hmm. Um, because of all of that happening, um, and then it finally did, but it went straight to like sci-fi or whatever. Um, but nobody wants to support them or just like even sometimes I feel like people just is ashamed to even mention that they want to watch that movie or they are they are watching the movie just because of the director. Um, oh, yeah, when you when you get a chance, like check it out. It's, it's messed up. A lot of people don't yeah, know about it. Mm-hmm. I definitely will, but that. You know, on on the topic of Jeepers Creepers, I didn't see that one in, um, well, I, I remember watching it as a double feature. And um, I watched the, the two of them back to back with a friend of mine. 
and um that was the first time <laughs> dumb <laughs> i think it's funny that you guys relate me to representation um just because i i think that it's something that i've always um caught even at a young age before i realized what these things that i was picking up on were and i have this very vivid um memory of i'm pretty sure it's the first jeepers creepers where they're at the gas station and trying to um figure out their next steps and there's the the black woman in the attic she's a phenomenal actress and i'm forgetting her name but she's in a bunch of shit and oh, yeah, she, yeah. <laughs> she basically plays that um i guess i guess she would fall into the spiritual negro category yeah because she's yeah, like a psychic yeah, yeah. and uh yeah, yeah yeah you're right she is a psychic and it's like she's doing everything in her power to get them you know away from from harm's way and then eventually sacrifices like loki sacrifices herself for them strangers ultimately yeah. which never made sense to me um yeah. but of course the friends that i'm watching this with are all white so they're not picking up on what i'm putting down so i <laughs> i didn't even mention it at that point but that her throwaway character always seemed so bizarre to me and I didn't realize that what I was exactly picking up on until, you know, I, I think about it again as as not a teenager. But it's that throwaway character, the spiritual Negro that exists only for the benefit of helping the white protagonists. That just seems so weird. And I know if I, I haven't seen Jeepers Creepers in a very long time, I probably should revisit, um, you know, why not? But um, I... I'm positive that will not hold up well. Um, Just based on the fact that I was maybe like 15 and picking up on why did they just introduce this character just to immediately kill her off? But that's besides the point. But, um, but I don't think she, I don't think she died. I think she, she, I think she just kind of put herself out there too much to help them where it was at one point where she almost died um something the, like that yeah because the first time i think she like she was giving them warning she was calling them whatever then she found them cool then i think when they got to the third act of the film where they're all at the police station and she finds her way there to help them out again and the creeper <laughs> is like it's like she's going out her way to help these people that she don't know. Like after the first time, or maybe even mm-hmm. the second time, I tell you and you don't listen. Bye. Like yeah, I, I tried. I tried. That's what so, I'm saying. Why does she care so much? Exactly. So she goes out and like helps them. And it's one point where the creeper is literally like about to, you know, attack her. And he does, but then he realized, you know, his whole thing is sniffing out to see what body part he actually wants. He wants nothing from her. He wants something from um, Justin Long character. Um, so he leaves her alone. And then at the end, it's just the sister and um, the sidekick lady. And she pretty much just says, I told you so. And walk out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, I was hoping she'd come back for the second movie, but I mean, they she didn't. She, you know, yeah. they was high school kids, which was Typical. fine. I guess. 
Yeah, it was fine. It, it was, you know, good enough. But, yeah, uh, yeah this is news. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, you answered pretty much most of the questions. So, I mean, like, yes. But um, I have another <laughs> one. <laughs> um, which I love. I, it's always She's good with this shit. I love it. Um, so, what elements of the movie really sold you on the movie? And uh, it could be anything from subtext to comedy. Wait, can you repeat the question again? Sorry, you just broke up a little bit. Oh, sure, sure. I'm sorry. Um, what elements of the movie really sold you on the movie? On the movie, I'm sorry. And can be anything from subtext to comedy. Oh, okay. So going back to Disturbia, mm-hmm. the thing that sold me the most was, well, as I mentioned before, the tagline, which didn't even make it into the movie. It was just in the trailer. Um, but it was it was enough to to bring me to the to the theater for the purpose of facing this fear. Mm. And then in addition, the thing that or the things, I guess there is definitely multiple that sold me the most on this movie is the fact that it was a relatable actor that I am totally comfortable with. And um as a, as a child of the late 90s, growing up in late 90s, early 2000s, I saw a hell of a lot of Shia LaBeouf. He's so familiar to me. Even Stevens and Holes. It's, he's just, you know, one of the faces of Disney. You saw him plastered everywhere. And that should have been enough to remove me from the horror of it. Because, you know, I could have easily just plopped myself into an Even Stevens realm and been okay. <laughs> Um, but that it, it wasn't enough. His his familiar face was definitely not enough. Also, um, besides Shia LaBeouf as an actor, the comedy, because, um, you know, PG-13 horror movies are not the easiest to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're not the easiest to to direct, to, to produce, I guess. Um, you know, you have limitations there. and yeah, Especially um, in horror. Yes, there are a shit ton of limitations. And based on what this horror, what this horror genre is made up of, you know, you're really cutting corners. And that's why I think horror and comedy go so well hand in hand. Because at the end of the day, they're both trying to get a reaction out of the audience whether it be you know a jump scare or just like a quick laugh either way it's a it's a very fast reaction and um in horror usually you know the the laugh is used to lighten up the situation you know to break apart the horror um when it gets really heavy which is why they go so well together but in this case the comedy in disturbia almost made it worse it almost made me more uneasy just because like i mentioned before that boy who cried wolf scenario where you know you're screaming and crying about this horrible thing is happening it's going to happen if i don't stop it and nobody believes you and then at the same time it's like i should be laughing right now or you know there's comedic elements and it's like not helping like it usually does usually mm-hmm. it's there to serve a purpose it's there to ah uh, give you that little 
breath of fresh air after you just like nearly shit your pants but it's not it's not working now and um you know it's still there but it, it's not i'm not getting that same reaction that i did i don't know with demon Knight or something else but um i Which guess i love question yes that's that answer. Um, that was a very, very good answer. Thank you. <laughs> um, I have to rewatch Disturbia. Like I, I remember again, like the parts I did see when I was in the theater. But just going back to just me watching the movie when I was able to focus. Um, like you, I again Shia LaBeouf coming off the Disney Channel and I was one of those kids that used to love like Disney Channel I, I was obsessed with even Stevens and that sort of even and all of them so seeing him coming from the Disney Channel world onto uh, a, a, a main movie and then a PG-13 movie and then a horror movie at that like it's just like oh I'm I'm in definitely mm-hmm. in. just seeing what it was about and what happened and just the suspense um in that movie and just like you mentioned like the whole boy who cried who cried wolf thing and just it's just like you as uh like as a person watching the movie you sitting there like like that was one of the movies that was actually went, like made me kind of like yell at the screen like because nobody yes. didn't believe him you know what i mean exactly and it's just like come on like he's telling <laughs> the truth <laughs> like the frustration uh was there when it came to that but at the same time it was kind of his fault but it's just like i don't know and i had that same feeling watching uh um what's that movie that came out like a couple years ago uh something summer of 84 i believe it had mm-hmm. some of that same uh element so i'm not too sure if you've seen that zoe but um it's almost around like kind of like that same type of thing, which is crazy. Um, but yes, Disturbia, I I love it's it's a good movie. I feel like everybody should talk about it more and revisit it because people don't do it enough. Um, but what what was your favorite part in the movie? Oh, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I I like the whole sequence where okay, well first. First, I love the sequence where the killer, um, I'm just going to call him David Morris because I don't know his actual name in the in the, his character's name. But um, so David is in Kale's house, Shia's house, and he's mm-hmm. flirting with his mom. Uh... And um, <laughs> I know this sounds like really shallow, but um, when I, you know, upon first watch, years ago i it just reminded me of a very stubborn dean that i had in middle school who who i felt was out to get me um i may or may not have deserved the things that landed me in in school suspension but i always (laughs) felt like they had a thing for my mom so that really (laughs) takes me off uh, when I saw that scene, because um, it was frust- it wasn't uh, it wasn't exactly scary, but it was frustrating, um, especially because this whole time before you're really screaming at the screen like fucking, come on, like you- evidence, whatever this, and that, and the third, right. and then uh, the second sequence, the whole sequence I love is the first time that Shia's character um, 
uh, enters the house with his Asian friend behind. Um, and this the the tension is so high. It's ridiculously high. He's finding, you know, all of these clues that he can then use later as evidence. Um, and it's got, you know, the the fast paced music in mm-hmm. the background and and um and then also keep in mind he's under house arrest this whole time. So he's yeah. got the um the uh anklet on on his on his foot and he finally comes back and his friend is like quote unquote dead in the closet. Um Which I was go. sad about. I was just like, no, guys. But then you realize that he's like fucking with him. Yeah. And, and it's even worse because it's like if you can't even trust your friends to take you seriously, who the hell can you trust? Right. And it's like this guy just essentially, you know, it from his point of view just risked his life to sneak into well first of all that's just trespassing period even if you weren't going into a a person who you're 98% sure is killing women you're trespassing so that just in itself should have you shitting but <laughs> but nah so he's you know uh, sneaking around this person's house and you know the friend back in the room who's like you know he's the wade like you know typing us keep I'm hacking into the mainframe that whole thing and um you know finally has a, a trusted partner on board and comes back and he's just kind of fucking with him pretending to be dead in the closet um as if he wasn't already risking his life to try to you know get proof that this guy is a fucking murderer and um that was the humor that was supposed to lighten it up it was like the the strongest instance that I found of, of that humor that's supposed to break up the horror, but really doesn't work. Um, you know, it's funny for a second when you realize that he's not actually dead. Mm. He's just, you know, pretending in, in the closet. But then it's another layer like not even your friend believes you, man. <laughs> like, right. You you could have actually died and your friend would have just been playing dead in your closet on the way back. But um yeah and and then just the height of it the whole um the whole exposition from the height of the conflict to the ending that takes place inside the killer's home is just very beautifully done and he's sneaking around so it's claustrophobic and Mm -hmm. and you get that you know your palms start to get sweaty and and it's um i mean i don't know exactly what the budget was for this film but i don't think it was a bajillion maybe a couple million um but they they did what they had to do and did it excellently just with you know making it believable being a person in another person's home which is scary at that and just having that that uh cloud kind of hanging over you yeah yeah it's it's you know it's pretty classic and you know all the greats do that very well just that just hanging somebody could behind could be behind you at any given point and have that person be your neighbor it's just like man it's really just me here right now <laughs> uh, you just gave me it. chills <laughs> <laughs> you should go watch it again bobby i am i am like you like just talking about this i'm just like i need to go rewatch this because this is like creeping me out it's and so I love creepy. it. <laughs> and I would argue it's like, 
one of the best presented like PG thirteen horror thriller movies like ever. Yeah. It was just I mean they did a phenomenal job with the restrictions that they have. I could only imagine what the hell this movie would have been like if it were if it had an uh, an R rating. Oh, I yeah. definitely wouldn't be a hermit. Like for real, for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that so, would have been Oh yeah, go ahead, Gray. I'm sorry. So I'm gonna ask you a different question since you just said that. Um uh, since the movie uh, uh, came out, Shia LaBeouf has taken to directing. Uh, he's done Kid Cudi music video, Marilyn Manson video. He's done other features, Honey Boy. Um, if he were to return to this project as a director, how would you like to see him handle the project, whether it be a sequel, a prequel, or another neighborhood, another kid, another story? That is a crazy question. (laughs) Wow, that is such a good question. (laughs) Hold on, let me think about this. All right, so Shia (laughs) Buff comes back to do, let's see, the year is 2027, and we're doing a, 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 not a sequel, let's say, well, I would really like to get a, a prequel or just an origin story of David mm-hmm. Morse's um of of his killer would be really cool to see but i also want to know i mean uh, i want to see more of Shia LaBeouf but i know that you know in his recent years he's really been doing the damn thing and um is experimental at that he's a very um eclectic artist i guess yeah. shall i say is a good is a good word to use for him but um so i think yeah i i think uh an origin story of this killer would be cool like maybe if maybe like this is like his thing like he's the next door killer you know and and before shia or um kale i think is his name in the movie you know he mm-hmm. was living in a different suburb you know, next to a different family doing something similar. But maybe, nah, I would love to see that. Oh my God, that would be so cool. And knowing Shia LaBeouf, he would turn that shit on its fucking head, man. That dude is nuts in the best of ways. Right, yeah, definitely. (laughs) You need to um, reach out to him. DM him, slide up in his DMs real quick and be like, yo, Shia, ain't no disturbia, I got an idea. (laughs) <laughs> I want to know, like, what his current thoughts, or just, like, what his thoughts about that movie are. Because I know he's very opinionated when it comes to, like, his Disney, his prior Disney career. Yeah. I know that he, and especially in, um, I don't know if you guys have seen Honey Boy. I've only seen, like, clips from it. But, mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, it's basically just, um his narrative on just like his childhood being a child actor and shit like that. And and this comes definitely later after the the Disney Channel era, but it's still early in his career. So I'm curious to to hear like what, you know, how he thinks of this as an experience because personally like I mean I love Holes. I think Holes is a great movie. Even yeah, Stevens is, is cool. I wasn't crazy for sitcoms, but you know, it was, you know, it was on. I was watching it. But, you know, I think 
Shia LaBeouf and this is definitely my favorite of his like hands down and and I'm curious as to what he thinks about it but I know for a fact if he were to get behind a project like this he would make that man David Morris probably even scarier than he was in 2007 oh yeah, yeah I can see it menacing. Mr. Yeah. Turner by the way I have been meaning to. I can. Oh yes, a moment to yes, tell you guys. yes. Thank you, thank you. I had two Mr. high Turner. school teachers: my woodshop teacher and my engineering teacher, both Mr. Turner. Oh, oh man! So I can the never forget not... the name. No. <laughs> Hell no! Oh man, that's no. See, if the kind of paranoid that I was back when I saw this movie, I was withdrawn from that class. Nope. <laughs> yeah, away from anybody named Mr. Turner. <laughs> I would it's say I like it, right? yeah. of a name. It's terrifying. True. But yeah, I like your idea. Uh I I'm also open to him returning, Shia LaBeouf returning as Kale. Uh I know recently for that tax collector movie, he got like a full body tat, which like as you were talking, I was thinking, what if Kale came back as like a stalker with PS or uh, PTSD. Wow, I can't say that. <gasps> and like, oh my God. you're on to something here. Becomes the problem, but he doesn't realize he's the problem because he's so paranoid and never got help for his childhood trauma. Oh, wow. Damn. See, well, y'all need to be in like some in the writers' room or just putting your ideas out there. That would be so decent, and I can actually see that being like being made like i can see that happening if it was to do like a sequel or something i can see that because you know shia just does crazy so well and part of me is is like you do crazy so well because you are crazy but at least he is aware of that and knows how to harness it correctly Mm -hmm. and this could be like even like a coming of age story about like how maniacs are made you know if you really want to make it dark and you know his everlasting hunt for this you know mysterious mr turner after you know after the events of disturbia give it i don't know like 15 20 years later after his sentence and his you know he falls into delirium just you know for you know not seeking help and just falling deeper and deeper into this rabbit hole, reliving this trauma that he did when he was young on house arrest. You know, and also, but I can't forget Mr. Turner's backstory, maybe, like, give it a couple flashbacks to see what he was doing back then, but... Wow. Damn, I'm gonna be thinking about this for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. See what happens when you bring people together, just ideas just start coming out, and then it's just like, damn, now I wish that can actually happen. And next thing, so I'm gonna be all up in Shia's DMs. <laughs> I do love Please Shia. Do. I would like to see this on screen. Yeah, and I do love him real quick. Um, in uh, what's her name, Sia's video. Uh, oh, I thought that was phenomenal. He was amazing in that, and I know that video got a lot of backlash because you know the little girl, the little dancer on there, and he's like this grown man, and it's just like, and I'm just like, it's. Art. It's not like he's touching her inappropriately or Thank whatever. You. It's art. He's I'm not. I'm glad that you have this perspective because there's so many just fucking. I don't want to blame it on like cancel culture or whatever. Like I definitely agree that people 
they need uh to let's see what how how do i put this they need um not justice but reparations for um past behaviors and just because something was said a long time ago doesn't mean that it doesn't mean anything anymore mm-hmm. but you know nowadays like a lot of people reach for things and um i i thought that music video was like it was just fucking awesome and it was just so beautifully executed and it was very obviously two people dancing mm-hmm. in a race. Yeah, exactly. and i really had no idea that shia could dance like that because yeah. he's and, very fluid with his movements. But. Yeah. And his emotion, because he's an actor. So just even the emotion, like him just telling the story in the yeah. video. It was just and amazing. It was, very, it was very apparent that he was, like, telling mm-hmm. a story. Like, you know, one was scared and then the other tried to help. And mm-hmm. and it, it was very apparent, that, like, in, in my opinion. And I think people just see things very often at a surface level. They just see a man... And an underage woman or underage girl, and and the cage, just dance, yeah. And their minds just go there, but because it's an approachable target, and like not to get too off subject, but like no one stopped Woody Allen from making a single fucking film for the last fifty years, Mm. and everyone knew what he was doing, right? Like Shia LaBeouf just makes one great piece of art. Like a lot of people showcasing his skill set and you guys may not know this but he is a phenomenal freestyler as well if you guys have never seen him he rap is. Google it. He, he is, is. i see yes, <laughs> and it's just like if someone's using multiple outlets to express themselves or entertain us let us be entertained it isn't the same thing as uh i'm gonna point another finger but it's not like r kelly specifically seeking out young women Right. To yeah. do things too. This is an actor or an artist working with another actor or artist. Mm-hmm. And unless that person's parents and or that person has registered a complaint, let it be. There are child labor laws yeah. for a reason. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's the truth. People though. just see, you know, a young girl and they just Im- immediately go to like fucking American Mary. Like, uh, not American Mary, um, American Beauty, my bad. With uh, Kevin Spacey, you know, just, you know, this is weird and the themes and the undertones. But, I mean, maybe I'm just that person that just wants to say that nobody wants to appreciate (laughs) art for what it is and just wants to bring it elsewhere. But, hey. Exactly. Exactly. Bring back Disturbia. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Save Shia. God bless that awful tattoo on his chest right now. <laughs> it is so awful. And I don't even know what, what the hell that new movie is about. Yeah. Uh, but he's got a giant chest tattoo. I hope it's about <laughs> because that's one hell of a commitment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he, he may have been thinking about a full body tattoo to begin with or a chest piece to begin with got the studio to pay for it kind of like adam sandler gets to take a vacation every time he makes a movie for netflix like some actors (laughs) just accomplish other agendas while uh getting paid for it yeah well i hope that's the case (laughs) yes yeah same here (laughs) well that said zoe please tell people where they can find you 
Okay. Or any projects you're working on as well. Sorry. Um. Well, my name is Zoe, aka Zero Gravity. I reside mostly on the internet. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Letterboxd at IDK Gravity. Um, and um, yeah, that's pretty much all I got going on right now. I've been hanging out with Bobby, doing Lovecraft, uh, Lovecraft Country reviews, and <laughs> yeah, I'm chilling. Thanks you for having far. me, guys. No, of course. Well, Gray, thanks for having us, actually. <laughs> yes, yeah. Gray, thanks for having Bobby and I. <laughs> also, Bobby, is there anything you want to plug as well? Um, well, guys, uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, Bobby Torres with a Z, not an S. Um, and right now, I'm just doing my Lovecraft Country uh, after show reviews with you guys every Sunday night after the show goes off. Uh, so if you guys are interested, check it out. By the time y'all hear this, it might be the season finale. Who knows? You only got like two episodes left. But still check us out. We have a lot of fun. Um, but so far, that's all I have. And I'm just planning some stuff, you know, well, trying to plan some stuff for, you know, the spooky Halloween season that we're in right now. So, yeah, I guess look out. <laughs> or not. All right. <laughs> or not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you both for being here today, tomorrow, and forevermore. And to all you guys listening, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Boo.